This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 10, Imperial Entanglements. And let's start off with a couple announcements. The first one is is that we wanted to thank everybody for meeting up with us at Gen Con, if you got to. If we missed you, we are so sorry. Hopefully, we'll get you next year. We had a blast. We played so many RPGs. We had tons of board games going on, and it was great. Highly recommended if you don't already go. And our second announcement is that two of our very own cast members, Dan and Roman, have in fact created their own podcast. Uh, season one is out. It consists of 24 episodes that take up 21 minutes. The podcast is called Talking Dice with Dan and Roman. It's Dan and Roman being silly. And you can check it out. Uh, they are on Facebook. They're also on the Apple Podcast app. And you can go straight to their stream by by uh, typing in talkingdice.fun in your internet browser. That's talkingdice.fun, not talkingdice.fun. There's no G. Definitely worth checking out. Those who have a great sense of humor, and it translates really well into their podcast. And all of Series 1 is just 21 minutes. So what do you have to lose? Go do it. They did a thing. But that's it for announcements. So let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 8, Episode 9, Uninvited Guests. You guys got one. You got a quarter of Reaper Squad. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, yeah, Eula Lowlin uh, uh, making a dramatic appearance, trying to take the life of Magistrate Moshana. Uh, leading to one of the coolest moments of this series so far, that airspeeder chase. It was so much fun. And uh, I mean, for many, many reasons, but I think the coolest thing about it is that uh, we got to like vaporize her airspeeder in um, another game. We may not have been able to do something so cool as that maybe it would have crashed or maybe she would have gotten away. But no, we were like, "Uh, uh-uh, you're not leaving. Critical injury, critical injury, critical injury. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah, the critical injury system in this RPG is fantastic. I, I really do like it. Uh, the way it works is uh, every weapon has a critical rating. And uh, if you generate that many or more advantages uh, or a triumph, uh, you can activate a critical injury as well as deal your damage. And uh, the way critical injuries work is you roll a D100, compare it to a chart, and whatever you get, adds either a temporary or long-lasting status effect to the person you hit. Um, we've obviously seen a lot about them. We've talked about them a little bit too. But the one thing we haven't really uh, elaborated on a lot is how critical injuries can really be used as kind of a narrative aid. Uh, because, you know, so often uh, in combat, you know, you, you hit someone with some damage and you move on or you slay somebody and it's like, okay, cool, he goes down. But uh, uh, sometimes, depending on what you're fighting in, in Star Wars, you might have a better luck uh, piling on critical injuries to defeat them than taking out their wound thresholds. 
and it makes for a really dynamic and narrative uh, exchange of blows. The way the game balances it so that you don't just instantly vaporize someone on the first critical injury is that uh, at, for every critical injury someone already has, you add 10 to the D100 roll. And the really, really like bad stuff, like the insta-death critical injuries, uh, require you to roll 150. So someone needs to at least have gotten 50 critical injury to... Uh, to get to the point where they can just be instantly killed with one blow. And there's a chart for vehicles and a chart for characters. And they they have uh, some similarities, but they're a little different. Like when you when you roll 150 on the on the person critical injury chart, you're not vaporizing them. They just are slain. Yeah, and there's a lot of cool stuff in between there. Everything from like dead leg, which we saw earlier with uh, Jaxamar, to um, you know being disabled on a ship or losing a sense, like uh, becoming blind or deaf or something like that. And what I really like about the critical injury chart, and I think might be worth you know attempting to translate it into other systems, is that it makes. Um, combat like dynamic there's a flow to it uh it's very engrossing when all of a sudden you feel like you're either like laden with lots of crits or um the enemy is like on their last legs all you got to do is roll enough advantages um it really gets everyone into combat all the time because even if it's not a player's a certain player's role they're still there trying to like figure out how to optimize like crits versus like other things like linked and what you can do with them i i really love how it just is able to bring them to the table and really engross them uh, the other thing the critical table allows you to do is it allows you to uh, take on things that you might otherwise not be able to. Uh, for instance, uh, vehicles actually um, operate on a different scale of damage than uh, characters do. So fighting this airspeeder with the conventional weapons of like a blaster pistol and even a lightsaber is pretty hard. You have to dish out a lot more damage to even do one point of hit point damage to a vehicle. But what you can do is if you hit it and roll enough advantages, you still can crit it. So even if you're not dealing actual damage to it, you did hit it and you can activate a crit. And we saw what that can result in ultimately here. Like during this combat, you guys actually didn't apply a lot of wounds to Eula's airspeeder because you didn't have a vehicle scale weapon handy. But you kept hitting her with things and rolling enough advantages to apply crits. And eventually you got to the point where you could crit her hard enough for Jaxmar to vaporize the entire airspeeder with his lightsaber. <laughs> just, just one of many examples in this campaign of critical injuries, just leading to dynamic and interesting results in combat. But I think that's enough about critical hits and injuries for now. Uh, I'd like to move on into favorite parts. What was your favorite part? A little while ago in the campaign, I talked about how how much I liked uh, the Destiny Pool in this system and how, to me, even though it was never really explicitly said in the rules, it felt within the spirit of the game for the GM to uh, to flip a Destiny point and kind of use it to establish something that like can't be finagled around and the players just have to make a decision. Uh, I did it in the first episode when I was killing off clone troopers and I did it again in this episode. I flipped a destiny point and presented uh, Jaxamar and Elkiri with a choice. I said, you know, Moshana is about to die. You can reveal yourselves as, as Jedi and save her or you can allow her to die. You have that instinct from the force that allows you to make this decision. That's something that would be really hard to make happen in any other system. And, uh, it just felt so 
perfect. Uh, I'd actually been planning that moment for some time. I knew that at, around halfway through the campaign, I wanted you guys to out yourselves as Jedi. So I was really, really excited to do that. And then it just made this really kick-ass visual in my head. You guys were like so fucking cool, like force pulling out your lightsaber and blocking and then with your free hand force pushing her back while Jaxamar blocks two more shots with his lightsabers. It was uh, it was a really, really cool Star Warsy moment that um, I had been planning for a while and was really, really pleased with how it executed. So that was my favorite part. What about you? What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part uh, was during the uh, speeder chase um, where we got to be cool Jedi and I was so cool. <laughs> it was so fun to like having made the decision that, that you just talked about, about like, Hey, we're Jedi now. We don't care who knows. Um, was like really freeing and really fun to be able to be like, I don't care if anybody sees I'm throwing this guy. And, uh, and sort of like the intuitive thing between me and Dan, where it was like, do we do this? Oh yeah, we're doing it. And it just <laughs> felt really cool. Um, facilitated by the other characters, but executed by me and Dan, some awesome Jedi stuff. Fair enough. But the action is far from over. You guys are just now leaving the planet of Tarvo. And sure enough, you have been tricked and ambushed by the remaining three members of Reaper Squad. I'm really excited to see how that plays out. So without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 8, Episode 10. Imperial Entanglements. Enjoy! I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials diffusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exhibitor, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor, there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but... I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my MO. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day though, I'm gonna give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. 
to me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility, and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. Kiri Kanti, Padawan Learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we left the crew of the Excipiter, they had gotten to the bottom of the mystery surrounding Shamash Bell and the Imperial agent Rafe Andromius. Shamash had cut a deal with the Empire. He gave vital information to allow them to dismantle the Hydean underground swiftly uh, in exchange for the Empire's permission to complete his job on Tarvo to place Justicar Moshana into the magistrate's office, thereby allowing the abolitionist movement on Tarvo to take hold of power and ultimately liberate the entire planet. However, the arrival of the Excipiter did complicate things to the point where everything went all to hell. And Moshana, after taking the office of magistrate, was able to keep the names of our heroes 
out of any official reports, placing the blame for the death of Rafe Andromius and Magistrate Jayco uh, squarely on the shoulders of Shamash Bell. As Moshana revealed this to the heroes, Reaper Squad's sharpshooter, Eula Laulan, attempted to assassinate Magistrate Moshana. Jaxamar and Elkiri, reacting on the instinct provided by the Force, ignited their lightsabers and saved the Magistrate's life, though in doing so revealed themselves as Jedi. And through a combination of efforts amongst all of the heroes, the airspeeder that Eula Lowlin was using to escape was vaporized with her in it, leaving only three members remaining in the notorious Reaper squad. The four of you then immediately returned to the Excipiter, and upon breaking out of the planet's atmosphere and getting ready to jump into hyperspace, uh, Oko realized a strange, unique device was placed on the hyperdrive uh, that would prevent them from safely jumping in hyperspace uh, until it was disabled. At the same time, the Vigil Class Corvette, known as the Bloodhound, came around one of Tarvo's moons, uh, moving to engage with the Excipiter. Jaxmar and Tan are in the cockpit. Oko is in the engineering bay looking at this strange device on the hyperdrive. And Elkiri was in her room about to investigate a strange wooden crate given to her by Magistrate Moshana before their departure. At this moment, I need everyone to roll initiative. Did anyone get better than a four? I got a four with an advantage. Who got better than a one? One point. One. I got one with an advantage and a triumph. I got one success and two advantages. All right. The opposition will go first, then you guys, then them again, then you guys again, then them again, and then finally uh, the rest of you guys. Fine. They want to play at close quarters. We'll play at close quarters. Oko, you work on getting whatever that is off of my ship, and I will do what I can to get us out of here in the meantime. Understood. Uh, Dropping out of the hangar bay in the Bloodhound are three TIE fighters and one TIE interceptor. The interceptor closes the gap quickly uh, ahead of the TIE fighters just a bit, and uh, you notice it has a red streak on one of the wings. You've seen this interceptor before during your last encounter with Reaper Squad. You've identified it as the TIE Fighter of Miri Elson, and she will um, close the gap, getting within close range, fly directly at you, and take a shot uh, right down the center of the ship. I will flip a destiny point to upgrade the difficulty of the attack. Okay. The Exceptor will get hit for nine damage. It seems... uh, uh, Miri Elson is more interested in flying directly at you and getting as close as possible before unloading. And uh, and one of the shots clips you uh, right before, at the very last second, uh, Miri corkscrews and flies directly underneath the exhibitor upside down. Uh, it's your guys' turn. I'm going to flip on the electronic countermeasure suite. Uh, all right, yeah, so you, you flip that on. Uh, the console lights glow a little more, and there's a satisfying humming as you know that uh, uh, the targeting systems of enemy ships are going to have a harder time locking into your signature. I'm also going to take evasive action Okay. against the other TIE fighters. 
All right, that will uh, upgrade the difficulty of their check. And those are your two maneuvers. And then I'd like to gain the advantage on Miri's tie interceptor. All right, uh, she flew underneath you uh, upside down, and you kick the uh, the engines uh, at an angle that makes you flip stationary, pivoting 180 to fly upside down and follow her. Uh, let's see if you can uh, maintain this advantage. Go ahead and roll an opposed piloting check, which will be daunting with three challenge dice. I am going to use my natural pilot ability to re-roll this check. Okay, go for it. So that is no successes with two advantage and two to spare. Okay, pushing your ship to the limit to try and match the agility and maneuverability of a TIE fighter causes some serious complications, and I'm going to roll on the critical chart. Your ship is going to suffer a critical injury. Your ship's engines are damaged by the strain of the maneuver, uh, and your ship's maximum speed is reduced by one point until this critical hit is repaired. The sudden hard burn and and turnaround of the ship uh, just cracks like some of the housings of the engine and they start burning extra hot uh, and less efficiently. And uh, you fail to really catch up and keep on the tail of Miri Elson as she begins swooping around for another pass. The maneuver itself does uh, still confer the benefits of your evasive action as you begin spinning and, and trying to keep up with um, this TIE interceptor. Uh, the three TIE fighters uh, on your tail begin closing the gap and are going to try and uh, shoot at you. And um, the shots fly over, under, and around the occipiter, missing it just barely um, as these TIE fighters try to uh, catch up with the breakneck chase of the occipiter and Miri Elson's TIE interceptor. Uh, she dips down, spinning around. The, inter- uh, the occipiter follows just behind, just a little lagging, just a little behind, not really able to get her fully in the sights. And it's one of your guys' turns. Are we facing the correct direction for me to fire on the Bloodhound with the fire control system? It'd be harder for you to achieve that, uh, mostly just because of the uh, the like spinning and zipping around. Uh, Tan is currently not trying to line up a shot against the Bloodhound. I would let you do it. You just take a setback die specifically because you'd have to wait for the right window to take the shot. Uh, I'm still going to attempt it. Okay, so you use a maneuver to turn on the fire control system. The 360 pivot uh, turret on the top of the exhibitor spins to the front and locks in uh, with the aiming of the two forward-mounted blaster cannons. And then I'm going to suffer two strain to aim. Okay. And I'm aiming at their tractor beam. Okay, so that is an additional two setback. They do have two shields and count as adversary two. So that's nine damage and three threat. Uh, And I will flip a destiny point from light to dark to use these two dark side points, meaning my next gunnery trek has four automatic advantage. All right. Waiting and taking aim, you uh, brace yourself against the G-forces of the wild maneuvers Tan is doing to try and keep up with Miri Elson, just lagging a little bit behind as she corkscrews to the left 
and then Tan follows just in a more swooping, uh, less graceful maneuver given the size of your ship. And you wait until they swing back around and you get a brief window of, an, of a shot on the Bloodhound. And you don't just shoot at the Bloodhound, you aim directly for that tractor beam that you know is going to try and, and seize you guys. And you fire off a barrage with all three guns of the Excipiter and uh, the shots soar across the distance in space and you, right as the window closes and you're about to lose sight of the Bloodhound, you see the tractor beam blow up and disable. Some of the quad laser cannons on the belly of the Bloodhound angle as the Bloodhound gets into range and they are going to fire off a barrage in the direction of the Excipiter. We are Silhouette 2, and we have two defense. They miss, um, but in order for them to miss uh, Tan, you have to violently break away from your pursuit of Miri and sweep around, uh, giving them a long, arcing chase as a lot of the shots barely are able to keep keep up with the speed of your ship, even with the damage uh, damaged engines. However, in doing so, you do lose the benefit of evasive action, because they roll the triumph. Uh, now it's the rest of your guys' turns. Oko, is that thing off my ship yet? We'll see. <laughs> Oko, you're trying to dis- uh, disable whatever this device is? Yes. Okay, assessing this thing a little more, you will have to make a computer check to simply detach it from the hyperdrive proper. That doesn't uh, uh, completely disable it. It just uh, lessens its effect. And then you are going to need to spend another turn Uh, rolling a mechanics check to fully remove it and disable it so that it cannot harm you guys and it's safe to use the hyperdrive. Um, So to start, it will be an opposed hard computer check with three challenge dice. I will flip a light side point to upgrade. Okay. Three successes. All right. Yeah. Uh, You sit down. Uh, you bring out the finest uh, control tools you have in your uh, operating arm uh, and you hover forward. The jostling and spinning of the ship circles around you as you kind of float in your own little gravity field, uh, waiting until you see the right moment. And then you uh, make a couple snips and then you wait for the ship to rotate a few more times and then you make a couple more snips and you rate again and then uh, uh, you manage to unplug a couple cords from the hyperdrive and like the glowing core of this device fades just slightly and you're halfway there. Progress made, Captain Tan. One more round. Uh, Elkiri, you're up. You have a general sense of what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stow the crate in like a closet. Sure. Uh, And I'll run to the intercom. Are the Tarvonians firing at us? We've got Reaper Squad on our front end. What? (laughs) So is there obvious damage to the ship? Somewhere is there smoke? Fire? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's strain. Um, uh, there's some sparks in the in the main hallway connecting the living quarters to the cockpit. Okay. Yeah, you want to do some manual repairs? Yeah. Is is it possible to try and heal that critical? Uh, yeah, you can do. You can attempt that exactly once per encounter. Okay. That will be a hard mechanics check as you slide down the ladder leading into the cargo hold uh, and move towards the engineering bay. You see Oko hovering and very, very tenuously operating on a strange device in the hyperdrive. Um, but you also know that the en- you can hear that the engines are are uh, burning hot and you can go into like the manual controls there and try and, and tweak that burn. Okay. Master Elkiri, are you injured? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I'm fine. A little banged up. I wasn't expecting that first barrel roll, but I'll, I'll be fine. Um, blah, wires. Uh, do a thing. All right. Roll a hard mechanics check. Okay. I'm going to flip a light side destiny point into a dark side one. Okay. It's a two threat. Okay, uh, as you move in to try and uh, adjust the power going to the engines, uh, Tan makes another hard bank, and you fly forward, smacking your head against one of the pipes, and you take two strain. And now it's their turn. Finishing your sweep, getting away from the uh, Bloodhound's barrage, Tan, uh, you look at your sensors and you see that behind you, uh, screaming forward uh, in her interceptor, Miri Elson is coming in for another, uh, another direct firing run. Her shots barely graze by, and she breaks away at the last second, kind of spinning up above uh, uh, on the top side of the exhibitor, uh, overtaking it a little bit and and curving to the left. And it's your guys' turn. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at her. Okay. Uh, she's adversary one and has a defense of two. Uh, so I'm going to suffer two strain to aim twice and then flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. Okay. I deal eight damage and I will activate linked twice with the four automatic advantage generated from flow from the previous turn for 24 total damage. Okay. She curves, uh, curves to the left after that, her firing run. Tan follows in suit. You get a nice clean shot on her and you fire away. Um, hitting her with multiple bolts from all three of uh, all three of your guns, and uh, you damage a sizable amount of the back of this tie interceptor. Fire and smoke starts uh, flowing out of it, and you see as it kind of seems to lose control uh, and stop like its its acceleration. You guys actually overtake it as it seems like dead in the water, uh, kind of floating uh, haphazardly, almost spinning on a strange axle. Uh, the three TIE fighters uh, chasing on your tail seem to break two in one direction and one in the other. Uh, and as you're curving away from the uh, wreckage of Mary Ellison's interceptor, uh, one TIE fighter crosses in front of you, uh, making you bank and opening you up towards the other, uh, the other two TIE fighters in some coordinated maneuver. And the, all three of them take a shot at you. Now I will flip a dark side point uh, to upgrade this check. They will hit you for eight damage, and due to their coordinated assault maneuver, they will crit you. One of the shots clips the shield generator, and you lose one defense rating in all zones uh, until this critical hit is repaired. Uh, and then it is your guys' turn again. I will, I will take some evasive action uh, rolling the ship uh, as we get shot at. Okay. And then I'm going to go full throttle. Okay. That is two successes and five advantage. So you managed to increase the speed back up to its natural maximum, uh, going full throttle, getting extra speed out of these burning engines. Elkiri, in the uh, engineering bay, you feel heat as, uh, as the engine coils nearby you are overloaded and, uh, El and Tan forces the exhibitor back to its uh, normal maximum speed. And then I'm going to take two strain to shoot away from them uh, and get to long range. In doing so, you actually get out of range of the laser cannons of the Bloodhound, which uses its maneuvers to move from long range to medium range. 
and then uh, angles in a way that it's uh, dorsal-mounted twin light turbo lasers fire at you at medium range, uh, and I will flip a dark side point to increase their uh, increase their pool. Uh, and they miss, generating only the benefits of a triumph, which will break your evasive maneuvers against the TIE Fighters as the giant beams of these turbo lasers fly overhead and you have to stop spinning and just focus on speed to outrun them and have them just zip just underneath you. I will uh, send my five advantage for his boosts. Sure. And it's your guys' turn again. I will attempt to disarm this trap on the hyperdrive. Oko, you feel the heat increase in the uh, engineering bay. You realize Tan is pushing the excipitor to the brink of its limit to try and give you the extra little bit of time. You can just tell due to your experience with Tan, she's almost at the limit for what she can do for buying you time. You realize this is your one shot. And spurred by your uh, loyalty to your master, you get a, a, a bunch of boost dice to attempt to make this work so you can you guys can make the jump. I will flip a light side point as well. Okay. This will be another opposed daunting check with three challenge dice, and you will be using mechanics. Net no successes, three advantages, and a despair. So the three advantages count as boosts to the next person who attempts to disarm this. Um, However, with the despair, I'm going to need you to roll a hard resilience check. One success and three threat. Okay, um, so you take nine wounds and three strain as a jolt of energy shoots out of this device. You seem to have touched the wrong wire and, uh, and electricity courses through, uh, through your chassis, frying some of your internal circuits. Master Elkiri, I am injured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Elkiri, you hear a, a, a loud <laughs> sound of electricity as... Oko is forcibly launched away from the device he's operating on. Oko! And I will run over to Oko? Repairing me doesn't matter if we don't escape the situation. Okay. So I'm going to take two strain to do an additional maneuver. Okay. And while I'm looking at this thing, this bomb thing, I am going to call Captain Pern and see what's up. (laughs) Sure. Okay. No, that's fine. So you spend your maneuvers pulling out your comlink and uh, and punching in the the contact for uh, Monechi Pern. It starts ringing as you do what with your action? I'm gonna try not to blow us up by working on more wires because it worked so well last time. Okay, Oko, tell me what to do. Well, one of Oko's tools is in a thing, and it looked like it was supposed to snip a, a wire. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you see what I did, Master Okiri? I wasn't. Don't wa- do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so you get the three boosts from uh, Oko, and this is a daunting opposed mechanics check with three challenge dice. Four advantages. Okay. Those four advantages lock in with the three advantages locked in from Oko previously. Uh, so the next attempt on this device will have seven boost dice. This this wire? No, this wire. So you do fail. Mm-hmm. So you don't uh, you don't succeed in disarming the thing, but you are continuing to make progress with these advantages. Okay. And uh, the comlink chirps a couple times, and uh, you hear the voice of Monachi Pern. Well, I didn't expect to hear from you so soon. Couldn't stay away from you, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, it is the enemy's turn again. You guys are careening out into the empty space, hoping to get the hyperdrive running. Uh, your sensors are blinking with the three TIE fighters on your tail and uh, shows you the range between you and the closing Bloodhound. And then another uh, ship appears on your scopes. It's the Interceptor, uh, which has been repaired and is getting back in the fight. And that's uh, the enemy's first turn. I'm going to pull the same trick uh, and do evasive action and then shoot off again in another direction. And I'll put, uh, I'll take two strain to get to extreme range. Okay. So, yeah, you're at, you're at extreme range with both the Bloodhound and the, uh, the Ties. And uh, you continue just zooming uh, off into dead space. Tarvo is actually way behind you guys at this point. And, uh, and you begin uh, uh, making your evasive maneuvers, uh, making it quite hard for them to continue uh, the attack on you. Uh, and then I'd like to try and boost the shields. Sure. Go ahead and roll a hard mechanics check. Uh, and I will spend a destiny point to increase the difficulty here. I have net failure with one threat and a triumph. The threat will give you a strain as the stress of this fight is starting to get to you. You thought Oko would have gotten the hyperdrive up and running by now. And do you have any ideas for what you'd like to do with that triumph? Is there any way it can help us get rid of this hyperdrive bomb? Sure, yeah. You were trying to boost the shields, um, but uh, the ship has taken pretty considerable damage, and the power surge you attempt to make uh, goes to a different uh, place. It actually heats up the hyperdrive, which uh, Elkiri and Oko, you can see, um, due to the fact that you've loosened some of the connections, part of the housing of the hyperdrive cracks, and, uh, and one of the connections of this device uh, breaks off uh, from the rumbling and, and rattling of the hyperdrive, uh, and you can downgrade your, the, the difficulty of the next attempt. However, the shields remain where they are. And Tan, you don't know that, that you helped. <laughs> All right, the TIE fighters are going to try and close the gap. And while they are quite fast uh, as Imperial TIE Fighters, they, they try to chase after you, but they are not fast enough to close the gap, truly. And they are at short range, just out of range for their attacks. And it's your guys' turn. Uh, I'm going to co-pilot to try and do whatever I can to make Tan's job easier, as there's nothing for me to shoot right now. Yeah, you guys are making pretty good distance on them. Tan, you can see, is white-knuckling it at the controls, uh, sweat uh, beating up along her, uh, along her brow um, uh, as she is muttering to herself, like, come on, Oko, come on, come on, uh, waiting, and her eyes keep darting to the hyperdrive indicator that shows that there's, a, a, that there's a complication, just waiting for that green light so she can punch it. And uh, you can go ahead and roll a piloting check to reduce the difficulty of her next check. Net failure with two advantages. Uh, and I will kick those advantage forward as boosts. Okay. Uh, you take some of the control. You, you pull the, the hyperdrive controls away from Tan, uh, who seems to sigh at relief, just having it off her display. Um, and you're monitoring those and trying to get the astrogation like... Uh, uh, charts like ready for when you're about to make the jump and Tan being able to focus a little more a uh, little more closely on just this full burn straight shot that she's doing to try to get away uh, out of range of these enemies uh, makes the housing of the uh, hyperdrive continue to rattle and that device kinks just a little more off uh, and that sends two boosts uh, 
to the next person who goes. Uh, the bloodhound continues closing uh, uh, closing the gap pretty futilely at this point. It's a much larger, slower ship. Uh, now it's basically a chase between you guys and the TIE fighters. Uh, however, uh, the TIE fighters seem to get uh, new orders and uh, and s- uh, spread into like a formation. Previously, as they were chasing you, they were kind of swinging uh, around in their formation, trying to lock it in, uh, and they seem to do so and no longer have that kind of lateral movement. And they get a free maneuver, which allows them to close the gap, and they are now are at close range with you guys. And you, you, you've never seen TIE fighters this well-coordinated. You have to assume that the leader of Reaper Squad, uh, Commander Rissa Anaro, is giving them very direct and precise orders to make them this efficient. You guys are up next. We've discovered two ways that this doesn't work. One more attempt. Uh, so this will be a daunting mechanics check. However, you do have nine boosts, I believe, due to the progressive work that you and Elkiri have put into this thing and the assistance from dastardly maneuvers shaking this thing off. You also get to downgrade the check, so it is a daunting test with only two challenge dice instead of three. We will flip back a light side point. Okay, uh, you upgrade your own test, flipping the light side point. Go for it. Two successes and four advantage. All right, you can do what you'd like with those advantages. Uh, the successes allow you to finish the job. So these four advantages will move to boosts for astrogation. Okay. You float away uh, away from the wall you got launched into, Oko, politely moving up alongside Elkiri, who's like being jostled by the motion of the ship. Again, you are floating separate from the ship's motions, and uh, you uh, pull out some tools and make the final move as you uh, pull out a little arc welder and weld the last bit of this device off so it is fully, safely detached from the hyperdrive, and the, the light in its core uh, goes out completely. Hyperdrive is repaired, Master Ten. Thank the light. All right, let's get out of here. I did it, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Elkiri, you do have a turn. It seems, Captain Pern, that the 77th has um, found you. Say what? They're over Tarvo right now. Do you not see them? Look outside. We'll all be a Bantha's mother. They wouldn't dare do anything on Tarvo. I can't believe who they shooting up there. Is that you? <laughs> Apparently, they had an operative at the party, and they saw us together, and I've been hailed to give up your location. Uh, go ahead and roll a deception okay. check. <laughs> this will be a daunting check with no challenge dice, but uh, you get three boosts. Uh, one, because he seems to like you, and two, because he very much doesn't like the Empire. <laughs> one success... And six threat. <laughs> so I'm going to use two of those threat to apply two strain to you. Um, but the remaining threat is going to be in his response, which is he goes, like hell they're taking me in. I uh, I always take precautions. I'm calling in the cavalry. I'm going to tell them to waste anything they see in the sky. And he hangs up before you have a chance to explain to him uh, that he probably should specify not to shoot your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, top of the round. The uh, TIE fighters on your tail do have a shot, and they will take it. And I will spend a dark side point to upgrade their test. Uh, They miss, but they did generate enough advantages uh, that they will give you a setback 
uh, to your to your next test, uh, probably your astrogation test, but uh, the next test that involves the ship, uh, as there is a almost a suppressive amount of uh, a su- almost a suppressing amount of blaster fire arcing around, uh, really narrowing the path that you can take right now. And um, it's one of your guys' turns. I will make that astrogation check. Okay, so this will be a daunting astrogation check. Uh, with that setback because of the suppressing fire. Um, As this is a very hectic situation, you don't really have uh, the luxury of choosing a well-charted path, and your ship is very heavily damaged. Uh, I will flip that last light side point to upgrade my chuck. That is uh, net failure with seven advantage. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say that those seven advantage mean that you get it all the way to the point where just somebody needs to push a button to get things jumped. So you don't manage to get it done before the enemies get to go one more time. However, you guys do have another turn, and all it will take is for Jaxamar to actually punch it. Uh, you get the astrogation uh, in. You have to. Uh, the jostling of the ship is distracting you. Uh, you accidentally put in like the wrong point. You realize like you've, you know, you've, you've calculated near too close to an asteroid field. So you shove it over to the side, but you overcompensate. And that little bit of extra adjustment, which only takes a few motions of your finger to correct, uh, give the enemies one more chance. And before you can fully finish the calculations, you get the alarm blaring in your sensors as you see that interceptor. Closing the gap, getting up into range, and uh, taking a shot at you. We, uh, I would like to upgrade the difficulty of her check with the last light side point. Okay, you spend the last light side point to upgrade that difficulty, and you are still taking evasive maneuvers. So, so she rolls four advantages, no successes as she just barely misses you. But with those four advantages, she will uh, nick your shield generator, fully putting it offline. It's no longer powered down, it's just gone. Uh, So you have no more defenses uh, uh, for at least a round. But she doesn't hit you, so no damage there. And it's it's your guys' turn. I punch it. <laughs> All right, uh, Jaxmar, you see um, uh, Tan get jostled by the barrage from uh, Miri Elson, and you reach over to her her part of the cockpit. You grab the the throttle for the hyperdrive. You push it forward to launch you guys into hyperspace. Just as you do during that moment, as you do, you see several ships pop out of hyperspace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's four ragtag uh, uh, looking ships. None of them like military issue. Uh, Oko, you have floated up after def- uh, after disabling the um, hyperdrive into the cockpit to see what was going on and why you guys hadn't jumped yet. And you also see through this uh, uh, through the, the cockpit um, these ships jump into the ba- battle and immediately start opening fire. They fire past you guys, kind of like they're aiming at you, but mostly missing. Uh, right as you're making the jump into hyperspace, they're just kind of raking fire across the entire field. Uh, concussive missiles go flying out towards the the Corvette. These are heavily modified uh uh, some of them uh, police issue ships, some of them just very well armed civilian ships. Uh, and two of the four ships uh, have a symbol that you recognize, Oko. 
you you recognize the symbol of the team of pirates you used to belong to, Oko, uh, the Umbra fleet. Two of the four ships have the Umbra markings on their hull. And you get a glimpse of that right before the stars elongate in, in your vision and you guys make the jump to hyperspace. Troubling. And you guys are in hyperspace for a little bit. I get the fire extinguisher and just sort of pointed at places that are smoldering. Yeah, there's plenty of smoldering places. Mm-hmm. You can just start putting out those fires. Yeah. Oko, Okiri, how are you guys doing back there? Been better, Master Tan. I will uh, hop out of the cockpit and head back to the machine bay. Sure. Uh, you bump into Oko in the uh, in the hallway, leaving the cockpit, noticeably fried. And uh, uh, what what happened? Was this the that bomb? Affirmative. Okay. Uh, let Let's get you patched up. Is anyone injured? I'll be okay. I I think we're okay, Oko. We should worry about you first. You work on me. I will work on the ship. Uh, yeah, you can uh, repair the hole once. Uh, the, then after that, whatever remains will have to be repaired on site. It's hard to repair from within the ship while in hyperspace. Uh, with this role, if you don't want to repair hole damage, you can also attempt to repair one of the critical injuries. I will attempt to repair the hole damage. Okay, it will be a hard mechanics check. And I'll flip a destiny point <laughs> to upgrade it. Two failures. Okay. There's just simply nothing you can do. Most of the, all the damage uh, seems to be external, and there's just no way you can get to it while inside the ship. You're going to have to wait until you guys dock. Oko, Oko, sit down. It's, she'll hold for now. It's fine. And are you attempting to repair them? All right. Uh, go ahead and roll an average mechanics check to patch up Oko. I'll flip another destiny point uh, to upgrade the difficulty by one. That is one success and one advantage. Uh, that is a wound and strain healed for you, Oko. Appreciate the effort, Master Tan. Sorry, Oko. I just, you know, I don't know this stuff as well as you do. What is our destination, Master Tan? What did you choose for the hyperspace travel destination? No particular planet was chosen, just a safe route into no man's land, which will take you guys just like an hour or two to get to. I was just really trying to get us out of there, Oko, and not into the middle of an asteroid. Fair enough. Why don't you show me this uh, thing that was put on the, the hyperdrive? What's left of it? Sure. Upon, like, inspection not in the middle of a fight, you can discern what its purpose was, actual function was. It weaponizes the ship's hyperdrive against the passengers. Uh, to activate the hyperdrive would result in that energy dispersing at potentially lethal levels throughout the ship. Uh, mechanically speaking, you would have had to try and avoid 20 strain and 15 wounds to uh, uh, win that activated. And the ship would not jump. Uh, however, uh, the process of removing it seems to have triggered its, uh, triggered some kind of failsafe that has fried the internal mechanisms. It's completely slagged at this point. It's a very sophisticated trap, Master Tan. Looks like a nasty piece of work to me. Is there anything that can be salvaged from this, Oko? Only melted down. Great. Then we airlock it as soon as we are out of hyperspace. I don't want this thing on my ship for a moment longer. Understood. I will come to the the top of the ladder from the cargo bay and call down to Tan. Tan, a word, please. Is it urgent? Whenever you have a moment. Uh, Oko, you're, you're okay, right? I know I didn't patch you up real well, but... I'll be fine. 
There is still oil left. All right. Well, you know, just be careful. Thank you for getting that thing disconnected. You too. Excellent piloting, Captain Tan. Thanks, Oki. I will head up the the ladder. Okay. Uh, I'm in my quarters. I will lean against the door but not come in. Yes? I believe you killed Magistrate Jaco. And I hold up a hand when I'll you... I immediately stiffen. Yeah. <laughs> What's done is done. We cannot change the past. But I, I would like to explain to you part of the Jedi training that I feel is relevant to this situation. We're taught as Padawan learners that the path to the dark side is quicker and easier and often violent, and it only leads to destruction and despair. And through making the difficult choices that are often more personally challenging and uncomfortable, we reach the results that we ultimately need. I am upset that you killed a man who did not need to die, but I am more upset that you put a seemingly personal vendetta above the safety of this crew and the mission we set out to undertake there. You have no idea what it's like, do you, being someone else's property? I do not. I won't pretend to understand what you've been through. I'm not going to make excuses for it, because like you said, what's done is done. But if there was a chance that Jaco could come back, could take that power again, could collude with the Empire, I wasn't willing to risk that. I thought it would help the Tosh more than it would hurt. Maybe I was wrong in that respect. It was a decision made from a place of fear, and that can only lead to the dark side. I respect you, Sorrel. I respect the hell out of you. But I don't touch your force. I don't deal in it. It's, it's not all light and dark for me. And I will head to my quarters. I um, have made my way into my room and I'm staring, on the crate, staring at the crate. I'm, I'm going to open it. Yep. Could be dangerous. Maybe I should wait. But if it's dangerous and I'm the only one who opens it, then I don't put everyone else in danger. So maybe I'll do that. I'm going to, I'll sense it. I'll sense it. Then I'll know if it's kind of dangerous. Maybe that'll work. Do I? I knock on Elkiri's door. Ah! <laughs> Come in. I open the door. Um, master. Yes? There's no council left to, strictly speaking, bestow upon you the title of Jedi Knight. But you have performed admirably and well above the station of a Padawan for some time now. I am happy to continue teaching you in the ways of the Force in any way I can, but to continue calling you my Padawan is foolish. You are a Jedi Knight, Elkiri. Um, Elkiri doesn't say anything for a minute. Uh, thank you, Jaxamar. I hope that I, I'm worthy. You've proven it time and time again. And I look past you at the crate. There's, a very, ni- there's a very nice wooden box on the desk next to her. What's that? It's a box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should open it. I feel like I should open it. But also, it might be dangerous. I didn't have time to like figure out why she was giving it to me. I opened the box. Ah! <laughs> Jaxmar reaches over, opens the box. You step back, Elkiri. And inside uh, this foot and a half uh, cube of wood uh, on a silken foam uh, bed sits 
an object a little larger than your fist. Uh, it has 12 sides. It seems to be made out of uh, strange crystalline glass and intricate bronze metal frameworks. And you both immediately identify this as a Jedi holocron. Oh, well, it's not what I expected. What did you expect? I don't know. I thought they were all destroyed. Things like this have a way of finding their way. So we should open it? It's a Jedi holocron. It was given to us. We should open it. Yes. Okay. Uh, to open said holocron, we'll take either a hard lore check or an average discipline check. I think we'll teamwork test on discipline. Okay. Uh, which one of you removes it from the box? I do. Okay. Uh, you reach out a reverent hand, um, scooping up this device of, of pure force power, and you set it on the table, slide the wooden box away, and both you and your former Padawan, now Jedi Knight, kneel down in front of it, and uh, you guys can roll that average discipline check. Uh, Oko and Tan, you guys... Have anything you're doing while they're meditating on this holocron? Zero K zero is in an oil bath. It feels so good. <laughs> you uh, you're sitting in this oil bath, and your mind kind of wanders to the the luxurious hot tubs you saw while on Tarvo, and the the way that organics kind of enjoy the pleasures of of things that aren't always necessary. I allow myself to imagine just for a moment. What that would be like. And Tan? I will uh, rush into the cargo hold, mm -hmm. uh, obviously flush and, and flustered, uh, and kind of, I'll, I'll do a quick slide down the ladder and land rather heavily and go into the med area and, and kind of shuffle around a little bit, um, find an empty syringe, mm -hmm. uh, and grab it somewhat surreptitiously. Um, and, and shut the shut the drawer. Uh, sorry to bother you, Oko. Just grabbing some bit of a headache after that last uh, battle. Whatever you need, Master Tan. Do you require assistance? No, you you should take care of yourself. I, I hope the oil helps. As you wish. And I will uh, head back to my quarters uh, and shut the door and, and lock it uh, and pull out that uh, capsule of long sight that I had bought. Sure. Yeah, you can slip that capsule into uh, into this syringe, and uh, you kind of sit down, ro uh, roll up the sleeve of your jacket, look at it for a second, and inject uh, the needle, letting the uh, kind of almost luminescent orangish-yellow liquid uh, flow in, and the pressures of the world around you seem to dampen and lessen. Uh, the fear of the the fear of the battle, the jitteriness after the fight with Jaxamar, the the weight of uh, of your actions on Tarvo, all nullify just a bit, and like you release the tension in your back and neck that you didn't actually realize you were holding, and you just kind of are able to lay back and close your eyes and not feel that, uh, not feel the torment of just your current predicament. Uh, Elkiri and Jaxamar? Five successes and three threat. Okay. We'll just count that three threat as both you taking a couple strain. It doesn't matter because you guys aren't in an encounter. Uh, but it 
take some time. And it's actually, you guys reach out in the force, you feel it there, and it's not like it resists you, but like it is secure. And it's not like any other holocron you may have interacted with during your time while the Jedi Order was uh, at its height. It doesn't open necessarily willingly. It makes you work for it. And, uh, and you guys actually have to sit there and concentrate longer than you normally would have. Really, really centering yourselves, making sure you're in a place of relaxation or have to shed the world around you. Really just focus on the force pulling between the two of you and this holocron until it's almost flowing with all three of you kind of molded together in one light energy. And at that moment, when you sort of reach the pinnacle of this meditation, you hear as the circular designs of, of brass on, the, on each of the faces of this 12-sided holocron move out, twist, and move back in. And each of you open your eyes as a greenish light glows inside this holocron. And the image uh, of a man, a Sarian man, uh, appears before you. Uh, he is a Sarian, so he has the elongated cranium of the Sarian race. He is wearing what look like worn and dirty robes. He has a long, wiry beard that reaches down to his chest, and his thick, dark brown hair hangs freely from the back of his uh, cranium in braids and dreadlocks. He has bushy eyebrows like most Sarian do, uh, and his stick out at angled points. And his relatively unwashed face is aged, yet very strong looking. Uh, and he turns to look at each of you before he speaks. And he goes, well, hello there. I am the gatekeeper of this holocron. You may refer to me as Grundello Fug. Whom do I have the pleasure of, of addressing? And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries, or sister companies, or any Star Wars license holder, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire... Age of Rebellion, and Forced and Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.